AM 640. Bill Handel here. It is a Saturday morning. Uh, yep, another uh, five hours of this stuff. Every Saturday, 6 to 11 o'clock, uh, right here on KFI. And uh, right, that's this show, of course. Uh, following us at 11 o'clock is Leo Laporte. And after that, it is at 2 o'clock, Neil Saavedra with the Fork Report. 6 to 8 o'clock, Mo Kelly. Monique Marvez, 8 to 10. And then Brian Suits, The Dark Secret Place, uh, tonight. From uh, 10 to midnight, that's our lineup on Saturdays, which are very important to me, uh, far more than Sundays. And I'll tell you why, because I happen to be on Saturdays, so I care much more about today than I do about tomorrow. You know, just a a quick aside, uh, I've said stuff on the radio where uh, I'm screaming about someone's kid or whatever, and someone either writes me or, or emails me. Well, no, no one writes anymore, but emails me or leaves a message uh, or even gets on the radio when I take calls and says, you know what? Uh, you would think differently if it were your kids. And I'm going, of course I would. They're my kids. What? You have a hard time believing that I like my kids more than I like your kids? When's the last time I offered to put your kids through college? What, what are you talking about? So anyway. Saturday, better than Sunday, because I like my kids more than I like your kids. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have no case. All right, when are women's boobs free speech and not free speech? Well, this goes back to uh, back to 2014. There was uh, a young lady by the name of Sunoko Tagami who uh, took to the Chicago streets uh, opaque body paint uh, over her bare breasts. Effectively, her bare, bare breasts were bare, showing. And that was to celebrate Go Topless Day. And she was issued a $100 uh, citation for violating the city's ban on public indecency. You can't show uh, female breasts. Uh, you can't show all butts. Part of it you could. You can't show genitals. So she appealed the citation and lost then she filed a lawsuit with the U.S. District Court of uh, Northern Illinois, the lower district court. Uh, she lost. Now, her suit uh, argued that banning women from going topless in public and allowing men to go topless is a violation of, number one, equal protection, uh, 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause. Everybody has to be treated the same, as well as her First Amendment rights. She was making a political speech, political statement, and to stop her or arrest her, Uh, is uh, a violation of her First Amendment rights. So uh, on appeal, the U.S. Court of Appeals now, we went up to the appeals court, they ruled 12 to 1 that the city's rules do not violate her constitutional rights. The court wrote, Chicago's public nudity ordinance regulates conduct, not speech. And while some forms of expressive conduct get First Amendment protection, This doesn't apply unless the conduct is inherently expressive. And the court wrote, and this was a quote, because what she did is not overwhelmingly apparent, and this was quoting a Supreme Court case about military recruitment on campus, because it is not overwhelmingly apparent that a woman walking down the city streets bare-chested expresses a political message, the act does not qualify for First Amendment protection. Uh, And here I totally disagree with the court on this one, because if you think about it, uh, there was no other reason for her to go bare breasted. The entire point of her going bare breasted 
was to show that uh, on Go Topless Day that the law was unfair. That was the entire point. There was nothing else that could be pointed to. And so the court, to say it was not overwhelmingly apparent that she was walking down the city streets uh, expressing a political message. I don't know what other message she had. I mean, she wasn't there exposing her boobs and go, look at my boobs. She was there to say, hey, the law is unfair. So I don't know where the court was going on this one, where it does not qualify for First Amendment protection. Now, as far as uh, the equal protection, women uh, are treated differently than men. Well, yeah, they are because the plumbing is different. And we accept that, that the plumbing is different. You know, for example, can uh, what used to be women's bathroom argue that putting up urinals or not putting up urinals in women's bathrooms is a violation of due process? If men get urinals, we get urinals. Or in women's bathrooms, there are more stalls because uh, women just take a longer time peeing than men. So therefore, at any given event, uh, there are always more stalls in stadiums, et cetera, in women's bathrooms. Oh, well, you're treating them differently. Now, obviously, there are practical reasons, and there, it wouldn't make an argument uh, there that would fly, but uh, it's a question of uh, equal protection. There are some times when equal protection just doesn't fly. Men are different than women, but not in the case of political speech. I wonder if uh, a guy walking down the street showing his genitals or a woman being stark naked. No, this has to do with the topless uh, issue because this was uh, to go topless day, not to go go pantless day or pantyless day. And what if a man were wearing a panty? You know, there are, I have friends. Uh, what happens? Matter of fact, not only do I have friends, I have a couple myself. What ends up happening on that issue? And I will not go further than that. They're red. Let's take some phone calls. Uh, Nick. Hey, Nick. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Uh, Question. Um, I have an employee that was bitten by a dog by one of my customers. He is suing my customer. And wait a a sec. He is suing the customer who was, let me get this right. Who bit who is, uh, okay, I got uh, an employee was bitten by a customer, right? Bitten by a customer's dog. Right, and yeah. uh, and the and the customer is suing the employee who was bitten. Do I have that right? No. Okay. Em- employee is suing the customer. Got it. Okay. I uh, just was a little confused there for a moment. Okay. So now you have the guy who was bitten is suing the guy who owns a dog. Yes, sir. Got it. Okay. Now, what's your question? Um, now, if I fire him, can he sue me? Uh, if you fire the employee. Yes. Yeah, maybe. It depends on what you're firing him for. Why And why would you fire him? He's the one that was bitten. He wasn't really bitten. I mean, he was. I mean, nothing was wrong with him. He's fine. He hasn't missed any work. So uh, what do you care? So so what do you care, up? Nick? This is one of my good customers. <laughs> and is the customer I, saying I, you either fire him or uh, I'm, we're gonna you're gonna lose my business? No. Then I mean, just I've then already, just leave it alone. Why would you uh, until something happens? Why would you fire uh, your employee with the possibility of your employee filing a lawsuit for retaliation or for? Although I think he would have a hard time, but who needs even the possibility, Nick? You'd at least have to defend it. 
Yeah, I, my thought is just, is just I think this person is trying to get a cash grab. Maybe, but he's not going to get any money, Nick. Okay. If there isn't, a, if if there's no blood, if there's none of that, he's going to get a hundred dollars, a nuisance, or five hundred dollars. Leave me alone. Get out of here. You got it. I just was. I, I would just. This to be a problem. No, it's not going to be a problem. The way to do it is you have nothing to do with it. And if your customer says, you know what, uh, this guy did it, I go, you just simply say, hey, Mr. Customer, I'm I'm really out of this loop. I wasn't yeah. there. I don't know. It's between the two of you. And if he says, I want him fired, I go, I, I'm not about to fire a good employee. And I would even say, and you're going to win the case anyway. If he has a case that is a BS case, then uh, there's going to be no harm, no foul. Now, you'll be fine. This is Handle on the Law. You got a little, you can use much more. Bill Handel here on a Saturday. Welcome aboard, everybody. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Uh, hey, Al. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Bill. Yes, sir. Uh, question. And my concern is I loaned someone, uh, I, I'm in retail, I loaned a customer $2,000. Why? Because uh, he said he needed to pay his rent. Wow, and that's a customer. You know how it works. He's supposed to give you money, and you're supposed to sell stuff to him. You understand that, how that works. Well, I've been doing, I've been in business for 44 years, and he'd been a customer for about six. Wow, all right. So That's very nice of you. So I had him sign a note, and I have a phone number. And I've called him a few times, and he has everything on voicemail, and he won't call me back. Mm-hmm. My question is, how do I find out his address? Yeah, that's easy. Uh, first of all, you can try to do a search on your own, uh, and just you have his name. Uh, you certainly have uh, the area where he lives, or you. I'm assuming you do. I do. Uh, and then just start uh, doing a search. Uh, start putting his name in, AdWords, and you put in a cell number. Not that that's going to help. Now, the other thing is calling a private investigator, and the private investigator will, tack, uh, will track him down instantly. Really? Because they know, oh, yeah, well, they know where to go. And uh, which, uh, and it d- isn't that hard anymore because everything is done on the Internet. It used to be where private investigators would have to go through phone books and then reverse phone books and uh, track people down. Now it's a snap. Call some uh, private investigator organizations and just say, what are you going to char- charge me? Here's the information I have. What's going to charge me to track them down? Then when you have an address, you have them served. Gotcha. And it, that, it, go ahead. Can I serve him myself? No. No, either, else. Yeah, either the sheriff or uh, anybody else. Private person. Any private okay. person who's not involved in the case. Um, listen to you quite often, and and I appreciate it. And my last question, is your music that you have on, on Handle and the Law, is that my dear Mr. Shane? Uh, no, it's not. Cab Calloway, isn't it? I have no idea who it is. I, well, Mike, Mike is in front of me, the engineer who put actually put it together. Bill, thanks. All right. Uh, that's all right. You can tell me because a lot of people want to know. Oh, the band is called K7, and and the song is called Idaho Man. Okay. I mean, how long have we been doing this? 15 years? I mean, that song is, uh, it, every time I see it, I want to turn, every, hear it, I want to turn on the radio and listen to this show. Mark. Hi, Mark. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. My problem is... 
I have tenants that were in San Diego, California, that have skipped off to Sugarland, Texas. They not only owe back rent, but significant property damages. We're talking missing cabinet doors, broken windows, broken appliances. These people just tore up my property. How do I go about finding them and serving them? Uh, well, finding them uh, is uh, the same thing that I've told uh, a previous caller, is that you may very well have to hire a private uh, a private investigator. But then serving them, Texas, I, it's, it has to do with California. It doesn't have anything to do with Texas. It's just you're serving someone. Now, you're t- if you're talking small claims court, yes. that's a problem, because a lot of small claims court will not allow uh, out-of-state service. They simply won't uh, won't accept it. So uh, if you have to file in superior court, but that means a full-blown lawsuit. It's not a one-page form. It's a lawsuit, and the, the filing fees are more expensive. So you're going to have uh, a few hundred bucks into it. How much uh, do they owe you, Mark? $8,500. That may be worth it just to, to do it on your own. You just put together the lawsuit. You, there's all kinds of forms on the Internet. It may take you a couple of hours, and then you have them served in Texas. What will probably happen is you'll get a default judgment because they're not going to show up. Right. Uh, that's that's never going to happen. So now you have a judgment of $8,500, and you just track it down. And wherever they are, you go ahead and you domesticate. If they're in Texas, you go to the Texas system, and it's procedural, and you get a Texas judgment because they accept California judgments. And then you just start attaching and garnishing and doing whatever you can. And Texas actually is probably easier to grab uh, property than it is in California. Yeah, I don't feel this family's ever going to own property. It's more of they're just flat bastards. And no, I understand. But it, but if but if someone works, for example, uh, yeah. you can go after wages. Yes. Yeah, but these are the kind of people that you're probably not going to see any money because it's uh, generally uh, good money after bad. Uh, Ricky. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Good morning, Mr. Handel. Uh, question. Part <clears throat> um, A and B, uh, we're suing my aunt to get out of a house that she owned with my mother many years ago. She won't get out, so we're attempting a partition. Um, one year later, or it's in Riverside, one year later, uh, we're at the stage of case management conference, $15,000 later. Is that our, our, wait a minute? What do you mean, case management conference? Yes, it's it's to notify the court the stage of uh, where we're at and okay. whether we're going to go to mediation, all right, or mediation county. Okay, is fifteen thousand dollars fair price? No, I don't think it case? sounds it sounds very high to me. That's what I thought. Yeah, no, it sounds. And how did you find this person that's willing to do that? Uh, the house is in Riverside, and the man is in downtown Riverside. Uh, I don't. And first of all, that doesn't matter at all where uh, anybody is. I mean, it's all done via email anyway, or it's done uh, yes, half faxing more. So, yes, yes. and if there is uh, if there is a conference where that person has to be at, so they drive two hours. You know, the whole process has been taken. It, it, I will do here. The second question: What's the difference between a private mediation and a county, a Riverside uh, mediation? Um, well, mediation can be ordered by the court. That's a county one. Private mediation is both sides agree to and pay for the mediator because you one want better than the other. No, no, it's the same. It's just uh, what will happen with if you do private mediation. It costs you money, but the whole point of mediation is to get the two of you to sit down and work it out. And they're both, they are both both have exactly uh, the same philosophy, 
Uh, That's the ultimate goal. So uh, I don't think I I don't even how much a county mandated mediation is. It'd be a court mandated uh, mediation where uh, the judge would order it. And then you have a choice. Uh, So either way, it doesn't matter. It's not fun when that happens. This is Handle on the Law. And I want to feel something again. I just want to feel something again. How's it going? And uh, welcome back. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. Pleasure having you here. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hey, J.C., welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, sir. J.C.? Hello. Yes. Mr. Mr. Handel. Yes, sir. Okay, never mind. Listen, um, I know you know uh, things about surrogacy. I sure do. Yeah, so my daughter's thinking about doing it, uh, you know, providing the surrogacy for an Asian couple. Okay. Can you give me some hints or can you give me some tips, precautions? Well, yeah, it's real easy. Uh, And I'm not pitching my program, although, you know, I obviously think it's the best. Uh, What I would do if she is considering what I would give the advice, go to a legitimate program, a surrogacy agency, because that's where all the protections are. Her doing it on her own for a couple uh, really risky, out of her mind, no protection with a good surrogacy agency. Uh, there's lawyers involved, psychologists involved, uh, the medical team uh, is in contact with everybody, uh, the contract has been looked at and done, and uh, insurance policies are in place, and that's what she has to do. To protect herself, uh, you need an agency. Uh, but if she already has a couple, then you take the couple to an agency with her, or she takes the couple, to have the kind of protections and to do it right. And if they say, no, we'd rather do it on our own, tell her to get the hell away from there because she's okay. wide open for uh, being totally screwed on this. Uh, she is so vulnerable doing it that way. By the way, the couple is also vulnerable from the surrogate. Everybody is vulnerable to everybody. Okay? Okay. All right. Um, and they're local. I, I just look it up or, uh, you know, any kind yeah, of... Yeah, well, 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 let me lawyer. ask you. Where, uh, you don't want a lawyer. I, I suggest you go to a, a, a decent agency. Now, there are lawyers that specialize in this, and you can look it up. You just go on the internet. Uh, or where uh, where are you? Where is she and where are you? The Inland Empire. Oh, so you're close. Uh, you know what? Just contact my organization, and we'll at least uh, have you go the right way. And that's the Center for Surrogate Parenting. I will. And okay. Makes fun of me because I listen to you. I yeah, I know, know that's why. scary. I know. I I got it. Uh, yeah, Center for Surrogate Parenting. If you need a surrogate mother, call one eight hundred surrogate. You know, I've been saying that for how many years? You know, how many surrogates or couples we've actually ever gotten out of me pitching? If you need a surrogate, call one eight hundred surrogate. First of all, it's a legitimate number. Second of all, I've never gotten a client off that number, even though I've been talking about it for fifteen years. Uh, all right, Helen. Hello, Helen. Yes. Yes. I am calling because in 2005, I completed probate on my parents' um, estate, and I was doing a search on my mom and dad just to see what came up. And when I was on the Internet, I saw that my dad has another house that I never knew of. 
<clears throat> okay, and? I have the address. I've never pull title. the house. Helen, you have to pull title to see who owns it. Okay. That's for starters. You have to just, you have to get the title. And if your uh, dad owns it, then what you have is you have a dead person owning the uh, property. But who, someone has paid taxes on it. Because if we're talking 10 years ago, uh, the tax authority has already come in and grabbed it. So if uh, the house is uh, still in your dad's name, uh, you open another probate. Wow. That's uh, that's what you do. Yeah, but you have to find out who owns it. You start with that one, okay? Okay. All right. Eh, That was easy. Matthew. Matthew, go ahead. Yes. Matthew, Hi. yes. So, so basically, my uh, ex-girlfriend uh, and I bought a dog together uh, about a year ago. And uh, the dog got pregnant about uh, a month and a half ago. And so my girlfriend, uh, my ex, came over. And uh, we had an agreement where she could come and see the dog and take the dog for walks if she wanted to, stuff like that. She doesn't live too far. And uh, she didn't bring the, the dog back when she was pregnant. Ah. And so the dog had... Yeah, and uh, the dog had puppies, and she, you know, was kind enough, in air quotes, uh, was to call me and tell me that the dog had puppies and uh, that she would give me one. And uh, it's been about six weeks, and I haven't I've been texting her. All right, well, okay. Uh, first of all, when she took the dog, uh, this was her dog, your dog, both of yours' dog. We paid for the dog together. No, it doesn't matter. Who, it really doesn't matter who paid for it because I, you know, it was, legally it's both of yours. But uh, we're talking a dog. I mean, is it is it a mutt? Is it a purebred? What what is it? It's um yeah, kind of a mutt. Okay, typical. then it, then it doesn't matter, Matthew. There's no there's no monetary value to a mutt. Uh, now, okay. what there is is obviously sentimental value, huge sentimental value, because dogs become uh, members of the family, except in my family because I don't care about it. But so what you have is uh, you don't have money damages. Uh, What you have to do in order to get the dog back is, number one, you go to court if you're willing to fight it. If not, she just has your dog. Her promise to give you one of the puppies uh, is not something you go to small claims court because for small claims court, you get the value of a dog. Well, the value of a mutt is virtually nothing. It is. It's nothing. Right. Uh, the cost, actually, the cost of vaccinating a dog is more than the cost of the value of a mutt. I see. All right. So, but uh, what you can do is say, I'm taking you to court. A judge will order her to turn over the puppy. However, if she says, I never agreed to it, it was a verbal contract. Matthew says, I did. I never agreed to it. Where do you think a judge is going to go? Right. Yeah, side. that's the problem you have. Uh, if I were you, I would just suck it up, and uh, it's uh, it's a dead doggy to you. I mean, yeah, I've mostly been doing that, but it's just a little frustrating. Of course, it's frustrating. Of course, it's of course it's frustrating. But there's not much you can do about it without going through a lot of hassle. Once she took the dog, at that point, she's holding all the cards. She would lose, I think. And no, she wouldn't because she's going to claim it never happened and, uh, you know, never had the agreement. So you're going to have a tough time. New girlfriend, new dog, Matthew. Okay? Sounds like the plan. Yep. Yeah, it's a tough place to be because, you know, I, I, people love their dogs. And uh, I get those questions all the time. Matter of fact, people love their dogs more than they love their kids. Uh, and, and that's, to me, it's hilarious. 
Actually, I, if I had a dog, I would love my dog more than my kids. Matter of fact, I would probably love a cat more than my kids. Now, where's the line with a hamster? Uh, I don't know. Is it above or below the fold on the hamster? You know what? Uh, let me be fair. I, I, I think I love my kids more than I would a hamster. But that's because hamsters only last two years. How excited can you be about a hamster? All right. This is Handle on the Law. Bang, 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 it's fire's a weapon. Bang, 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 we'll stop till we're legend. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Welcome back for marginal legal advice. Ernesto. Hi, Ernesto. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Handle. Yes, sir. Are you on a speakerphone? I, I am. Let me let me get off of that. All right. Okay, thank you. Okay. Uh, my, my question is, uh, my, my son last uh, Thursday fell off the monkey bars at his elementary school, broke his, at, broke his arm in, uh, three, in three places near surgery. We've incurred some medical expenses, and I was curious to see if uh, the... The school had any liability in terms of, uh, or yeah. you know, if I could do anything for them to, I don't to reimburse th- me for those. I don't think so, uh, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, everybody knows that there is a risk uh, that uh, happens when kids climb up on monkey bars. All right, that's that's sort of a given. Uh, and they're going to argue you knew that there were monkey bars, and you never said to teachers keep him off. Uh, that you effectively said, uh, you know, you're okay with it. Uh, every school does. And just some stuff just happens. I, just to give you a story, when I was, uh, I was in elementary school, uh, I fell off the monkey bars, I don't know, half a dozen times. I broke my bones 11 times before I was 14 years old because I was so out of my mind. But in those days, uh, they didn't even have the, they, they had, it was, I don't even remember what it was. I think it was sand uh, that was under the monkey bars. Now they're a lot, uh, a lot safer. Uh, but I don't think you're going to be able to go after the school because what did they do? Let me ask you, what did they do that was negligent? Well, the only thing that, the way I feel uh, is that the monkey bars that they have, he's in first grade. So the monkey bars were they, they set them aside between the first and fifth graders, but those monkey bars are not the height for like a first grader. They're much higher. They're, 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 they're oh, that's an argument, and, but then you're, here's what you're going to argue. You're going to argue that uh, they're poorly designed or they should bar everybody in first grade from using the monkey bars, which uh, I, I guess you can say that. That's an argument, uh, but and, I, they're certainly going to fight it. I'll tell you that, Ernesto. Yeah, and and uh, this one also has a fan. He was laying in the fan. It was like 100 degrees last. No, not not 100. It was like 90 degrees, and he was in the fan for 30 minutes uh, with a with a broken bone. With a broken bone, and no one pulled no one pulled him out. No, no one. Pulled they him just out. they left him, and he was just he wasn't moving. No, they they, they told him not to move. He was not moving until. Uh, the paramedics. Uh, okay, okay. Then that, yeah. then then Ernesto, that is legitimate because because right. you you wait until the paramedics show up. So uh, here is the other problem that you have. So assuming there is liability, okay. Let's say you're successfully arguing liability. Uh, no lawyer is going to touch it, Ernesto. Okay. Kids with a broken bone just don't count. 
every kid, I'm, I'm, well, they count to you, but if you're talking about money, because that's all you're going to get, because you certainly, you, you, what else can you sue for other than money, uh, then uh, they're going to say, okay, uh, what, a first grader uh, breaking a bone, eh, okay, they heal in six weeks, and uh, that's basically it. The kid's in a cast, I'm assuming. Uh, how much money did you pay out of pocket, by the way? Uh, $4,000. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, (laughs) maybe it's small claims, although I think there's all kinds of issues involved. But you have to, here's what you have to do you have to make a claim uh, that you're going to sue them. So you have to, within six months, you have to make a claim. Otherwise, you can't sue at all. And uh, then see uh, if you could talk to a lawyer. I don't think any lawyer is going to take it. And uh, I don't even know. I mean, you could try to sue in small claims court and make your argument. I think I don't think a small claims uh, judge is even going to hear it because it's uh, you're talking liability. You're talking about uh, the school. You're not talking about breach of contracts. It's a lot more complicated than small claims. But uh, maybe that's the way to go. Otherwise, uh, uh, no, no, I don't think so. Although, you know, they allow first graders on the monkey bars. Uh, I, I would, especially if they're high. I, yeah, I, I don't think. uh yeah, I'd argue that. All right. Yeah, I've gone the other way. Al. Hey, Al. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. Yes, uh, sir. Handle. Yes. Yeah. I got a question regarding um, prenuptial ag- agreement. Yep. What is the the current status? The current status is if you sign, if both parties sign a prenuptial agreement, it normally is upheld. Uh, it is valid. Now there are there are some uh, I think there are some parameters or there certainly are some caveats and that is if you're going to get a prenuptial agreement both both parties should see a lawyer uh, to get a lawyer to sign on because one of the things in breaking a premarital agreement is to say I didn't understand what I was signing I was being coerced and if a lawyer signs off on it and says yep uh, Al and uh, the pretend of, uh, and his wife or if yeah, I'd get two separate lawyers, actually, one for each side. Then there's nowhere you can go. So are are you asking for a prenup, or is she asking for the prenup? I'm asking. How much? And, and, and do you have money? Well, sort of. Uh, what does that mean? That's a yes or a no? Or uh, Yes, yes. Okay, yes. so you have assets, and you're worried about her getting any part of your assets. Yes. All right. Uh, I don't know if you necessarily need a prenup for this. Uh, because if you keep everything in your name separate, uh, she has no uh, she has no uh, case against it anyway. She has really no way of getting it, although she would probably sue. So it's not a bad idea to have her say, uh, I understand Al has this property, this property, this property, and this property, and I know it's separate property. Then for her to come back and say, well, you promised me whatever, uh, that doesn't happen. So that's a good reason to have a prenup. And then uh, as far as your income is concerned, does she work? No, not not currently. Okay, and do you expect her to work when you get married? Yes. Okay, uh, and you are working, correct? Correct. All right, well, and can I ask what you do, Al? Engineer. Okay, so you make a good living, I'm assuming, right? Yes. All right, and what does she do when she's working? Housekeeper. All right, so uh, yeah, the difference in yeah, no, no, I'm talking about the difference in uh, in uh, income, income is is big. Uh, so here's what you're looking at too: uh, that you really can't waive uh, the community assets part. And once, let's say, you get divorced, 
uh, and you've been married for a number of years, she's probably going to get support anyway, Al. She's probably not going to be able to sign that away. So, is, is there like a 10-year um, Yeah, no, no, it's not. Well, there used to be a 10-year, uh, but now it's, uh, no, there really isn't a 10-year. It used to be 10 years, you got life, uh, lifetime support. That doesn't exist anymore. It's just the longer you are married, the more you are going to have to pay, or at least the length of time you're going to pay uh, gets, uh, gets longer. I've been married for, what, 30 years so uh, I'm paying support for the rest of my life uh, to to my wife if we get divorced. I mean, that's that's a given, and I'm fine with that. We've been married for a long time. But if it was, uh, let's say I've been married for 10 years, she would probably get three, four years of support. So I, I've got, Al, let me ask you, uh, how long have you, the two of you, been together? Uh, a month. Oh, just a month. And you're talking about marriage already? <laughs> yes. Al, why don't you just hire her to clean your house and not get married? Isn't that easier? Uh, probably. Probably. probably easier, oh, but, God, where do you go with that one? A month. I'll bet you he, she was cleaning his house, and he was so impressed how she did the counters. He said, that's the gal I'm going to marry. I've never had anybody clean my counters like that. This is Handle on the Law.